Hello, you're listening to Speak Up Podcast, a podcast initiative by Zeka Malaysia, one of the country's largest youth organisations. Here, we involve youth in Malaysia and beyond in conversations about the United Nations Global Goal Number 4, Quality Education. This episode was recorded by our local communities during our Speak Up volunteer projects in summer of 2020. second episode of our podcast today with our speaker Sean Stanley. So Sean, as I introduced himself in the previous episode, is just a student, 23 years old, but he has some major vast experiences when it comes to volunteering, especially in uh, quality education as our theme is for today. So Sean, I think we should just start it off with some personal questions. Do you sure have- your best volunteering experience is there like that one experience where you know that's gonna stick in your head for a very long time yes i definitely do uh, i think um i've mentioned this in the earlier episode where me and seven other friends we volunteer we decided to volunteer at, uh, at a school catered for the stateless and undocumented in in kota kinabalu well uh, that is uh, one experience which would stick with me uh, for the rest of my life. Being said that uh, this experience was a whole lot experience. I wouldn't say it's humbling, but um, it has given me new perspectives. And also it has, uh, it has put me in the right place, uh, to be honest. Um, because um, just to highlight a bit on uh, my experience with the stateless, I have not heard about this this term stateless or undocumented or marginalized uh, coming from the city or coming from this part of malaysia there is this issue but it's it is not as prevalent as how is it in sabah so um my encounter with uh with with the stateless was in uh, was in my first year when i first came to sabah like uh, i have no prior experience in sabah only when I got my offer to UMS, I came to Sabah. So it was a night in December. I could remember it was just a few days before Christmas. So me and my friends were having dinner. So we were well, after dinner while we were waiting for our grad, uh, I saw a few kids. Uh, there were about four to five kids. They would be around six to ten years old, right? So they they ran across me. And uh, my first question was, it was nearly 11 p.m. that night. And my first question was like, okay, what are these kids doing out here at this hour? You know, like coming from a typical Asian family. If you if you were to loiter around at that age, at that time, I think I would get a whooping from my dad or, mom, or, my, or my mom lah, at that age. But uh, that was my first question. It struck me. So I observed this, uh, these kids closely, you know, so, uh, they were about a meter from me. They stood a meter from me. I think at that point also they were uh, practicing social distancing and, um, I closely observed them. Uh, so what were they doing? So they went into a circle, like the four or five of them went to a circle and one little chap took out a box of secrets. Oh, crap. Right. So uh, those cigarettes were not uh, the normal Daniel or Marlboro you you find you can find yourself. Oh, I'm not a smoker, but I know about <laughs> these brands. Okay, uh, because they're common brands. But um, 
as uh, as I come to learn that these are smuggled secrets. Yeah. Right. So uh, these kids, they due to not being documented or stateless, they they cannot be admitted in uh, local government schools. Right. So um, a lot of them resort to working, and many of these children are trafficked. I come to learn that many of these children are trafficked into selling uh, drugs and also uh, cigarettes. In some cases, which I've come across, they sniff glue. Right, right. Yeah. At least, uh, just for them, so that they do not get hungry. Damn. Yeah. Uh-huh. So That's this is like, uh, this is like something new to me, like, and I was shocked. So when this kid pulled out his cigarette, uh, I quickly approached him. You know, I was like, "Wait, you're seven between seven to ten, and you're pulling out a cigarette and distributing your friends." So I quickly approached this, this kid and I asked him, uh, like, uh, "Apa kamu orang buat dekat sini?" And then he said, uh, Oh, tidak. Ini mama saya punya. He was pointing at the cigarettes and he was saying, this belongs to my mom. Then I said, kalau ini mama kamu punya, kenapa kamu buka ini? Then he just stared at me. Then the whole lot was staring at me. So I just like <laughs> confiscated the cigarettes and I sent them away. Lah. Oh, and they, yeah. went, they ran yeah. through a dark alley at that point. And uh, later on, one of my friends came and uh, he advised me, he said like, bro, do not mess with these kids because uh, they have a they might have a syndicate behind them. Like, you know, if they find out that you're messing with their business, they might come and beat you up and stuff like that. So I was a bit scared at that moment. So we got on a grab and uh, throughout the journey, uh, it made me think like, what would the reality be of these children? You know? And uh, and in my first year, um, from my first year onwards, I started to learn more about the stateless and undocumented community in Sabah, which is a very unique issue. I think if I were to speak about it, it would it'll be another whole lot. Uh, it will be another podcast session on stateless and uh, undocumented. But uh, it got me to learn more about them. And uh, in my second year, uh, this was my second encounter with um, another stateless boy who lived uh, right behind UMS. So my friend, uh, she was active uh, with that community in the kampong. So one morning in 2018, I can remember it was around October, it was the end of the year as well. Um, she she called me and she asked me like, hey, uh, could you help me out with this kid? Uh, he has a swollen, he has some, a, swell, a huge swell on his neck and uh, we got to bring him to a hospital. So uh, I just, uh, I just helped out. Lah. So that was my second encounter where I saw the struggles faced by this community because uh, when he went to the hospital, in order for him to get admitted, he had to pay more than uh, 1000 which for us Malaysians, uh, it's subsidized by the government. Right. But for Seven. this marginalized community, uh, they're not citizens, so they would have to pay a heavy price for them to get access to education and healthcare. So uh, this second encounter made me think that um, how, by the way, we couldn't really admit the the boy, and uh, we couldn't rule out what was his di- what disease he had, and he passed away like uh, a few weeks later. So um, this experience made me think a lot on the the whole on the fate of these children, you know, being marginalized and uh, not being able to go to school. So. I tried to put myself in that situation. The reality was really, really harsh. 
yeah. you know like imagine you being five or six years old and i think you have come across this uh these kids in the filipino market yeah definitely a lot right they will sell plastic bags for 50 cents each <laughs> you know so then again it's a means of survival yeah for these children because uh being marginalized uh they are neglected somehow by society and in the newspapers also uh they're labeled as a uh, public nuisance exactly. i wouldn't say newspaper but it's a common perspective that they are public nuisance because uh, recently there were a few kids who went swimming in the pond a public pond oh, wow. and it was reported <laughs> in the newspapers lah. so uh they are commonly uh term that's uh they are labeled as street children uh, in most terms i mean in uh they're commonly labeled as uh, street children so when uh when i saw all of this it, it really made me think on myself uh, on my own privileges and how would these kids uh, survive you know without education being trafficked believe me or not there are those uh, there are children who are actually drug mules at at a very young age like that crazy even depressing to think about situations like that i mean like like you said a child passed away just because he couldn't receive a decent health care is you know depressing yeah. very very depressing depressing so in 2018 uh, one of my lecturers uh, he he came into class and he said like okay there's a school for the stateless and marginalized who would want to volunteer to teach english and mandarin So I raised up my hand. I was a, I was one of the first to raise okay. up my hand and uh, offer myself to volunteer with other seven friends. So uh, the first day we went to the school. It was it's a established school. It's called uh, Madrasa Al Hikma, right? right? So it's been uh, it's been on it's been in operations for the past fifteen years. Wow. And uh, my very first day there was uh, I was taken aback actually because my very first day there I parked my motorbike. And I came down, so I carried my bag, and as I was walking to the classroom where I was assigned to, I teach the upper levels, uh, five and six. Uh, one girl came down from the staircase, and she smiled at me, and she greeted me with fluent English. Wow. Yeah. So, I was shocked that she could, that her articulation and also her comprehension of the language was really good, and she welcomed me into the class, and all the kids were excited. Uh, you know. A new yeah. face was coming in and stuff <laughs> like that. So, uh, being their first non-Sabahan, non-native teacher, right? Uh, a lot of them had so much questions for me, like where are you from, uh, what do you do, and stuff like that. I mean, understandably, uh, to go in to go and teach in communities as such, because many of these children are undocumented and stateless, and in uh, and their realities are really harsh because. Uh, they live in a constant fear of being detained and deported out of the state. Right. So every move they make, uh, they have to be careful in some instances. So uh, to gain their trust and to and to be accepted, like, I would say I didn't accept them as a student, but they accepted me as one of them oh. as part of the school. So I was really, uh, I'm really thankful for that and grateful for that experience as well because. Um, It it wasn't a one day job or two day job. It took weeks to actually uh, build a rapport with them and gain their trust as their teacher to be established there as uh, as part of the school. 
So as we got closer and more comfortable, I get to learn a lot from the kids, uh, from the kids' perspective and their and the realities that they live in. Um, because most of them there are from Suluks. Their background are Suluks. Right. You say they're from Southern Philippines. Mm-hmm. So their ancestors were mostly those who fled the the insurgency in the uh, Philippines in the late in the 70s or some of them were economic migrants uh, in the 80s so they have lived here for very long just that these children were born here and due to some political factors and stuff like that they could not obtain uh, proper documentation to state where they are from so when I spoke to these kids a lot of them exclaim uh, exclaim that Malaysia is actually their home and they really yeah. love their yeah. Malaysia so I asked one of these kids out of curiosity, like, would you want to go back to the Philippines? And uh, he said, no, for me, Malaysia is, this This was this was uh, directly from their mouth, huh? like, uh, this, Malaysia is my home and I I have friends here. If I go back to the Philippines, I do not know anyone. I could not even converse in Sulu. <laughs> so how do you expect me to live there? So um, I would say I learned a lot from the school, even though it was a very short time. I wish I had more time with them. Uh, if it's not for MCO, I, I definitely <laughs> uh, I definitely would be sure that I would have more time with these children. However, we still keep in touch through, uh, through WhatsApp and uh, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, but, uh, you can go back and continue teaching and hopefully I can join you, maybe. Definitely, you're welcome. Anytime. Yeah. So one thing I realized from these children is that uh, despite the, their backgrounds and also the, the predicaments some of them have, uh, they are still willing to learn. Yeah. Like uh, one one thing would be that, okay, um, I tried this, uh, I tried something new with them. Like every time when I try something new, they get very excited. So uh, we did uh, role play, meaning to say, we, I taught them to write scripts in English. Wow. And um, we were, and they were supposed to act it out. So the script writing uh, session was, uh, well, it took longer than expected. And I thought that, okay, la, I think it's the whole, the whole uh, lesson is going to be a flop. So I just, uh, I didn't have my expectations too high and stuff like that. So I just like, um, tried to lower down my expectations, set the bar low and like, um, okay, la, you guys write this script like this, la, simple story, Kennedy, la, and all that. <laughs> but I gave them about two weeks to prepare. On the second week, when the day uh, they were supposed to uh, show what they had prepared to the class, I really got, uh, I was really shocked, la, to be honest. And it wasn't the kind of shock which uh, was like a disappointing shock, but it was something which, which was, I, I know, I couldn't find the words to explain it, to be honest, because the day when we were supposed to have that, uh, their, their play uh, show, showcase to the whole class and to others, they actually prepared props themselves, you know, without me uh, telling them. Wow. So they brought like sparrows, they brought extra dresses, <laughs> they brought, uh, they made props and stuff like that. And they actually came to class. And when I entered class that day, they were like prepared. They were so prepared and they were so excited. And my energy levels just got back up. Like, when I <laughs> so I was fully motivated the whole class and uh, I, and we conducted the sessions really well. Uh. And I was so happy at the end, like it really brought me to tears, but I controlled myself at that point. And I was uh, really proud of them. And uh, that was 
uh, that was when I realized like, like, um, like every child should be given an opportunity to show their talents, you know, uh, despite their backgrounds, whether they're stateless, they're not. And I feel like education is something like I said earlier, it should be in this indispensable to every, it, it, it is, uh, sorry, it is an indispensable right uh, to everyone, everyone, especially children, because with the education that they get, uh, like uh, I could see the difference between these children who are in school, although they're stateless and in school, and those children who are out there working around, despite knowing that their realities are hard, they still have dreams and ambition. Like, I want to be a teacher, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a lawyer. So uh, when you when you hear this, although sometimes it breaks my heart to know that uh, they cannot go further than this. Mm -hmm. However, it is uh, it is my own dream to see that all children be all children can gain uh, quality education and also be given a chance to live their dreams. Like these children, no matter what backgrounds they are from. Exactly. So this experience was uh, really. Uh, an experience out of the ordinary throughout my whole life uh, because it really taught me so much and also it made me reflect on my own self a lot and uh, it gave me a new perspective to life and also a new perspective to so many other things uh, like um, to always be open and to learn from your experiences because you can be learning something new from anyone at all and I've, I really learned a lot from these, these children despite them being marginalized and uh, stateless. They have taught me, one thing that have taught me is that uh, the value of togetherness because uh, because of their backgrounds, uh, they have they have to stick together and support one another. And that's how that's how they are in the school. And also to, to always be a listening ear. Right? It really trained me to be a listener because when you sit down with them sometimes and you hear their stories, it's really heartbreaking. However, um, you can do what you can do. I wish I could do more, uh, uh, but at the moment I only could, uh, it's, sad, it's really sad to say that I only could give a little bit to them and I couldn't go further, but I do wish to do more for them. Well. All right. I mean, that's huge, man. I mean, personally, I also have quite a number of volunteering experience and I mean, what you said just now is basically the whole thing that we're trying to strive for, you know? We saw mm -hmm. a problem and we wanted to be part of the solution. I mean, that is what I think everybody should try to achieve or try to be a part of. Definitely. Because, because it's not hard, like you said, you know? It's, we are not teachers or you're doing international relations, you're not doing an education course or, you know, something like that. And I'm doing accounting, nothing related to education. But yet, you know, we see a problem and... We want to be part of the solution. It's as simple as that when it comes to volunteering. Uh, personally, I remember one of the experiences, like when you mentioned the stateless children and all, um, it was quite depressing. Uh, what I did is when I went to Indonesia, and you know, there's a lot of these children beggars, even in Sabah, and or anywhere in Malaysia. Um, what I did is, I still remember when I was walking back from my this restaurant to my house in Indonesia, and his kids came to me and were trying to ask me to donate money. So what I did, uh, I still remember clearly, I actually told them to repeat after me like three sentences in English. I asked them what's their name. First I asked in Malay, then I asked them to repeat, my name is da da da. 
and then you know like good night or good morning or whatnot and only if they manage to say it will i donate like you know certain like i can't remember was it like three four five thousand rupiah lah. so it's quite and i remember like the people around me were like hey that's very very nice you know and you know it's you don't have to it's easy to do something good it's not very hard and i think yeah. that's the goal of this podcast today is you know to realize to make people listening to us realize that it's that simple to make a change or to do something good like uh, i think i've mentioned this earlier also <laughs> like uh, it does not take much it's just it just takes passion for you to move forward like like i can i can agree with you a lot uh, that uh, that uh, when you find a problem and you see a problem you have the desire to go and solve it so having that desire to solve this problem i think you do not need a position to do so exactly as long as you have your as long as you have the the intention to do something good just go ahead yep yep that's that's the whole thing right it's not hard at all whatsoever yeah. and the opportunities the opportunities to volunteer or to do something good are constantly there you do not have to go and hard look hard for it it's right in front of you most of the time okay that was a very long yes <laughs> yes there are uh, a lot there's a lot yeah especially when it comes to this okay uh moving on then to the second question personally asked a few of my friends what i can ask you and their first okay. question was what is the inspiration to you to be the person that you are today my late father right who was uh was my biggest inspiration uh he was the one who exposed me to all these uh, charitable works and stuff like that being young i followed his footsteps a lot uh, and he was very involved in church so church was a place where i started all of this so we do uh orphanage visits and uh he did so many fundraising events and things like that in church and my father led most of these initiatives so uh being in his shadows uh, really inspired me so much and to the work that i'm doing today i think most of the credit goes back to him uh, without him i wouldn't be who i am today also i'm thankful for my family uh, my brothers and my mom who had always been uh, supportive in all the ender wars that i took so they were not the uh, typical uh, family who would just push you to only study and study and study and uh force you to get your A's and stuff like that but they they encouraged me so much uh, uh to really live my passions lah so i'm really thankful for that that's huge man without a doubt i can say that your father is definitely looking down and proud of you yeah i hope so <laughs> without a doubt man ah uh, wow that's that's really inspiring uh, moving on So when it comes to volunteering, you and me both know that uh, there's a lot of options out there, right? But why did you specifically move towards quality education or education? Well, uh, it all started with uh, my experience being a tutor, like uh, when I was tutoring, and uh, in the earlier uh, in the earlier episode, I was I spoke about uh, this this boy, the sixteen year old boy. Yeah. well teaching so he was one of my biggest inspiration so when uh when i when i was teaching him like being 16 and you cannot even read at that age 
there's a there's definitely a problem somewhere right yeah. so to address this problem i think uh, all of us can play an active role in uh, addressing this issue so from then on i felt that uh i i i want to i wanted to be a teacher uh because uh, i saw that i the amount of students i could impact by being a teacher uh, so education is one way which we could uh, propel forward as a as a nation so that's one of the reasons why i feel that uh, education was an area which i wanted to work on uh, ever since i left high school damn that's great man i mean yeah. like yeah it normally starts with the smallest things from teaching yeah. the younger sibling and realizing you know there's more to that you can do for the community out there uh for for me for example uh i started i mean for me why quality education like even i never really liked children i mean not never liked but sometimes i couldn't tolerate them and <laughs> but i still remember the reason that i am very uh i'm very passionate towards quality education is because of this uh well actually one day i was traveling back from work in the lrt and kl and i met one of my high school seniors mm-hmm. and then suddenly he was like bro what are you doing after this and i was like nothing like going to go home and chill and it's like you want to follow me go furniture then i'm like oh okay why not so from then on i went there and it stuck bro i went there every week for about you know until i entered my university similar to yourself and that's when i realized you know teaching is something that can be really really fun and watching people grow i mean that is the that's the best part about teaching is when you see your students grow even slightly or so it's like the effect towards you is tremendous which brings me to my next how has volunteering affected you like as a person or as an individual well, um, uh, the common answer to like how volunteering volunteering uh, has affected you will be like yes it's a humbling experience <laughs> however uh, to me it will be different because uh, i think it at every part of life uh, there's a new experience and there's something new to learn so what happened like 5 years ago like you know your perspectives 5 years ago may change later on when you get something uh, when you get a new experience so it's always just like uh, how our phones are being our phones operating systems are being upgraded so i think volunteering sister uh, i mean our volunteering gives you the opportunity to upgrade yourself further Wow. You know, it, it builds you. Yeah, it builds you as a person like, in the long run. Like, um, like uh, it gives you new perspectives. It gives you a lot of uh, room for reflection, self-reflection, and also a lot of space for growth to know yourself better. Like, uh, the more you volunteer, the more people you meet. Uh, like for me, I'm a very, uh, I'm a very much people-oriented person. So when I meet people, uh, it gives me energy. Being the extroverted person I am, so uh, learning from people was uh, was something which uh, which gave me new insights to life, lah. Because uh, I believe like everyone has a story to tell, and everyone has a unique story to tell. Uh, this was uh, mean in my experience with teach for Malaysia, especially I met. So many people from different backgrounds, uh, 
especially those who were applying to the Teach for Malaysia Fellowship, those who applied to become teachers, uh, they came from like, so many different backgrounds. Some graduated from Imperial College, some yeah. came from, uh, some yeah. some graduated all over, I mean, they came from all over the world and also there were Malaysians as well who wanted a change in Malaysia, so they applied uh, for the fellowship. So there were personal conversations like I had with them, like why choose this when you have other options, other better options to go to, you know? So um, when uh, when I met these people, they were they were energizing, you know, to speak to. <laughs> so they were ever motivating. So their life story somehow inspired me to to continue the work that I do and meeting people and also uh, going to the grounds, especially um, encourages me to do more and to identify more issues. So when you work on the grounds on any issues at all, um, you get to understand things from the perspective of the people experiencing it. You know, it's a more, it's a more comprehensive approach, I would say. I couldn't agree more. I definitely resonate to you on that part. Uh, being an extroverted person myself, like for an example, especially a lot of these people listening to this podcast are ISACers. And I was just before joining you, I just had a conference going on and listening to so many stories about the, uh, you know, how they all started into this thing or what their dreams and passions are. So many issues that and so many solutions that you can provide. Just us being youth, you know, um, we are no professionals, but we have a lot of good ideas out there and definitely time to take impact, lot time to make a change. Yeah. So the more general uh, side as we, what we did was basically a personal view. Moving on to a more general side, how vast is the volunteering community in Malaysia? Um, I think uh, it's quite vast in Malaysia uh, because um, even in universities, we are encouraged to uh, we are encouraged to take up uh, volunteering experiences and stuff like that, you know. And some in some universities, they in, uh, they incorporate it into uh, mandatory subjects, you know. Like uh, you have to go out there and do some uh, some social responsibility kind of thing like that. So I think it's very important for everyone to be exposed to this experience of uh, volunteering. Not to say it, it's, uh, it gives you the experience, but it also is a form of awareness to the young ones, especially the youth like us. Yeah. That, um, you can do more uh, if you have the heart to do it. And also uh, going into volunteering is uh, one thing which is uh, which everyone should, I mean, which, uh, which should be encouraged, especially to those children in, uh, in high school and also primary schools. Like for me, uh, like I mentioned earlier, like my dad was the one who exposed me to, uh, volunteering and doing charitable works. Uh, it started at a very young age, to be honest, uh, at, uh, when I was prior to primary school as well. So I just followed my dad whenever he went on this or whenever he went on to do all these works. So um, parents should really encourage your children to to go and then uh, to go and volunteer for for any cause at all, because this experience will not only uh, expose you to what's happening around; it actually 
builds you yourself and your children. Uh, it builds the character uh, of someone. You know, yeah. especially when it comes to, for example, uh, Isaac. To me personally, it is a charitable, charitable NGO kind of thing. But the vision of Isaac on its own is a leadership organization, a youth leadership organization. So both of it actually works hand in hand when it comes to volunteering. Like you said, it doesn't just not just about doing good and impacting other people. It's about impacting yourself and becoming a better person all out, becoming a better leader. And, you know, so it changes you a lot. So do you think that in this vast community, especially when we look at, for example, magic under the government, the Ministry of Global Innovation and Creative Centers, you know, there's a lot of, they are in charge of social entrepreneurships and NGOs. And if we look there, we can look at the number. There's quite a vast social entrepreneurships out there, all trying to make a difference. But do you think there is enough people in the Malaysian community when it comes to volunteering? Um, to answer your question, yes, there is. Uh, as far as I know, a lot of my friends, they really take an interest in this. Uh, however, I would encourage uh, I would encourage everyone to uh, to try volunteering like at least once in your life and probably it would be a routine thing for you <laughs> you know what a, especially what, what in, yeah especially in this age like i said that um when people are aware of the need to solve a certain issue and if it's um and it if it relates to someone like for me my experience with edu- with education has brought me this far into working in this area like i want to solve this problem so uh, when I experience it firsthand, I know that, hey, this is a problem that I want to solve. And that's that's why I put myself uh, on grounds in uh, in fighting for education and equity and also to bring a change. So I, I do believe that everyone has a calling and everyone also have a cause that they would want to fight for. So, yeah. Yeah, I think like what you mentioned, it addresses a lot of the questions previously as to, or even more questions that a lot of people ask us, why do we volunteer, you know? Because easily said that anybody who does involve themselves in volunteering, like the both of us, eventually we stick to it, you know, because we get that level of satisfaction from it, that it's hard to run away and we don't get it from anywhere else. And actually brings us to the, some people will say a stigma towards volunteering is, um, you know, why do, why work for free when you can work somewhere else and get paid? And what I always like to tell, I mean, a lot of people, I think you get this question a lot too. With social. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Because the amount of work we put in, like, for example, me and Isaac or you, Fortis from Malaysia and Leeds Fire, you know, there's a lot of work we put in. And for simply said, you know, I, the best way for me to put it is, while working gives you money, volunteering gives you the satisfaction. And that's something that, you know, we cannot get from anywhere else. La. I mean, yeah. you can clearly I, see that. I couldn't agree more. La. Yeah, job satisfaction is something, I mean, if you look at our parents or anybody in the corporate world, their job satisfaction is they're constantly coming back and complaining about work or whatnot. But you do not see a volunteer coming back after a session and be complaining. They are constantly satisfied with what they do, the feeling that they have inside of them. It's just something else, you know? No, but 
I wouldn't deny that sometimes it it's, it it gets tiring, but however, at the end of the day, that um, it gives you a satisfaction. Like what you said, yes, we have uh, done something today. Let's see how <laughs> we can progress tomorrow. Um, however, um, I feel that um, everyone has their own calling and everyone has uh, their own cause to fight for, and everyone has their own passion and goals. And uh, I would say that. Um, it is something personal uh, to volunteer. However, it's something encourage. Uh, I would encourage everyone to take up, especially young young people. Yeah. As uh, the perks of it, of uh, of volunteering are there, and you will learn and you'll gain a lot from it. I couldn't agree more. I hope the students listening to this podcast start volunteering or doing something. You know, because based on experience, like I think both of us started in high school as well. And yes. if anything, we would, if we could go back in time, I would say that we would have started it earlier, without a doubt. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, um, to high school teachers, right? Like, I would say that uh, exposing children, I mean, exposing students to uh, to do more charitable works actually uh, helps helps build uh, resilience and grit within students as well, as well, uh, and also leadership capabilities in um, students. Because uh, try not to plan everything yourself, but also involve the children in planning. That's what my teachers back in my school did. Um, they we proposed the ideas to them, and they were very supportive on uh, on allowing us to plan and execute the whole program. They'll just be there as a guide, mm-hmm. and they will advise us. But uh, the whole execution from A to Z would be all on us. So try to involve students in doing this. Yeah, I think that's something that uh, I think public and private educations, like you mentioned earlier, we constantly have CSR projects and you know social responsibility and charitable projects that we do. And without a doubt, like you mentioned, we can definitely start it at an earlier time. In secondary school, like you said, teachers should definitely encourage students to do more volunteering at a young age. All right, so moving on to the next question. What kind of volunteering options out there? Uh, when we look at the SDGs, right, from the United Nations, the uh-huh. goals, you know, we have 17 SDGs all pertaining to different issues. And each of these is on its own a volunteering. It can be translated into a volunteering experience on its own. Would you like to add anything on that, Sean? Mm, well, uh, like you said, Yes, there's there's lots of um, there's lots of uh, volunteering avenues that uh, one could take up, and uh, it I would only want to encourage people to be open about the concept of uh, volunteering. Like you said earlier, uh, volunteering may not give you the money, however, it gives you the satisfaction. Um, well, um. When you volunteer, you really will know yourself better, and uh, that that in so many areas. But I think, like you said, I think that's a volunteering option for every SDG present. Yep, definitely. You know, so you could um uh, you could see which one you resonate to and put yourself uh, out there. True. To the cause that you are supportive of, and also the cause dear to heart. Especially in this generation, I feel a lot of people are towards nature and animals. You know, there's a lot of volunteering for that. You can work uh, in the for 
you know the animal conservation or what all right Peter, yeah yeah Peter. and there's a lot of options out there some people like um if for example you like swimming you can volunteer and do beach cleanups or underwater coral planting and there are various or if you are very passionate about gender equality there are projects related to that volunteering experiences related to that you know the list goes on and on and on and like i mentioned earlier just now we had a conference and i was looking at all the points given by all these people all these icecrackers about the number of issues that we can address in right now you know there's there's no point in pushing it back and just take action it's as simple as that law basically people look at volunteering as Ayo, I must do this, I must do that. When, to be honest, I feel like both of us have the experience. It's not something troublesome or not something too demanding. I believe anybody can do it if they you know, have the passion for it or if they have to stay mind towards it. Yes, definitely. All right. So, Sean, how can we educate youth? Because a lot of people listening to this are all youth. How do we educate volunteering towards the youth in Malaysia? Educating the youth in volunteering. Well, uh, like I mentioned earlier, there are some examples was that uh, there are mandatory subjects in some universities, which uh, requires you to do a CSR project, right? So let me start with high school first. Yeah. Okay. So I think uh, in high school, teachers can uh, teachers through societies and organizations in schools i believe that everyone has to join a society organization right so teachers need we need to encourage uh, the students on this encourage and guide them along the way because uh, not everything you can learn from the classroom there are a lot of lessons outside the classrooms as well which yeah. you can uh, attain through experience and doing the work yourself and i think that um after every uh, volunteering experience or any session that has been conducted, um, teachers could have like a, a reflection session. Uh, reflection session, sorry, uh, reflection ses- session, so that um, the students would understand why they're doing something. You know, instead of just okay, hey, we are going for uh, we're going to visit an orphanage, but just go visit, clean up, and then come back. Right, it yeah. does not serve much purpose. However, if uh, you have like asking them important questions like, okay, you went to an orphanage, uh, you saw this, what do you feel like, you know? So reflective thinking is uh, something very important for students, especially in high school, uh, which will, which where we can cultivate uh, a whole new generation of students who would be aware of what's happening around them. At the same time, um, we'll be producing students who would take up the initiative to do some to do more uh, in addressing these issues and also to bring an impact to their own communities. I couldn't agree more. And especially yeah. when you mentioned it's not the awareness of it, right? We definitely should do something to increase the awareness about the volunteering opportunities available to students, you know, both high school, university, whatnot, especially just the other day when I went, I met my old high school teacher 
and she was I was telling her about all these experiences that I had and she was telling me you know what one day you should definitely come to school we'll have a session uh, invite all the students and you can give a talk about all of this and and I was like why has this not been done earlier you know this should be something common i wish someone did this for me back in high school and without a doubt i think that all of you whoever listening to this or even yourself Sean if you have the opportunity opportunity spread the word you know tell or give awareness towards the availability of volunteering or or just the benefits of it and talk about it like i think word of mouth is definitely one of the best ways of transmission there is yeah definitely it is la yeah and yeah, yeah just like impacting people and when you feel responsible towards someone else like i remember um when i told you guys when i told you just just now about the orphanage when my friend asked me to go to the orphanage you know just on the lrt on the way back going home tired and suddenly he asked me and from that actually that was his last year because he went overseas to study so what i did was you know i got my friends um a bunch of my friends from my back in high school or just the people that i normally hang out with you know we are constantly like stuck in this societal thing you know we go clubbing la this la partying and so what i did for a change is i invited the same group i was like instead of doing all this haram shit one time uh <laughs> one time a week why not we go to the orphanage we teach these kids you know because these are all i mean like like what we've been stressing from just now you do not need to be an expert you do not need to be so children friendly or what not so when that feeling of bringing someone else into the volunteering community and i think that's a whole other level of impact on its own and gives me the sense of achievement and sense of i mean yes. feeling proud about myself you know when i able to impact someone else and bring them to this world of volunteering Yeah, definitely. Um, and as for students in universities, my peers, and also uh, those younger and um, those who would want to try something new in university, to be honest, uh, if something, if there's one thing that I would go back and change, uh, would be being active in my first year of university. I was a bit passive uh, in my first year. I only uh, ventured out of my shell in the second year of university. But um, there's no, there are no regrets. Uh, it's just that there would be something I would do differently if I had a time machine to go back. Mm-hmm. But um, however, um, university actually gives you the grounds for new experience. Um, I would encourage every student who is embarking on their university journey to be courageous and to take up something new. Just like high school students, um, not everything you can learn uh, in the lecture hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are lots you can learn from the outside world as well, especially uh, meeting uh, peers, being engaged, uh, being engaged in uh, you are uh, in important and meaningful discussions. Um, also, will help you grow in your own uh, capacity. So, um, this is like one of the advice that I would like to uh, give to. Students both in high school and also uh, in who are who are going into university or who are already in university. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Definitely would wish I started yeah. early. I mean, yeah, because there are, there are lots of uh, organizations out there, uh, NGOs and uh, like Isaac and Teach from Malaysia is like one really good platform. 
if you are if you are really interested in education and also in um, volunteering um, there are more out there as, as well uh, depending on where would you like to put your feet in even isaac actually we don't just do education i'm personally from the education project but even in sabah for example we have this other project called nature warrior uh, nice. where they do you know beach cleaning coral planting so like going back to the earlier ones the volunteering options are vast they are huge and there is one catered for everybody basically yeah definitely there is all right sean it's been a long session okay to close this session a final question so if the people listening to this podcast today wish to jump on the volunteering bandwagon and start volunteering what should they do what is the first step you know what yeah what can they do uh, right now? the very first step is to identify where and what uh, and what cause would you like to volunteer for because uh, it is very important um it is it is not wrong i mean it is also okay to um, try something new as well uh, but um doing something close to heart would give you a different satisfaction as well um but to put yourself out there uh, to be courageous to take up the challenges uh, definitely there would be a lot of challenges uh, along the way in volunteering but the very first steps would be uh, to understand why you're doing what you're going to do so understanding this is very important as it will give you uh, as it will give you a different sense of motivation to the cause that you are embarking on i love that i love that and before i close i just want to say even quite recently or so i just realized there is legit no age to be a volunteer because yes. recently um i have my nephew uh-huh. who i think is in kindergarten or something and there was this platform online platform he's in australia there's this online platform it's a crowd rate crowd funding platform where i think that if people for every he was reading a book for a certain number of people the only thing it's quite com- i mean i don't exactly understand the mechanics of it but basically what he he had an initiative i mean this guy is like 6 years old okay. he wanted to make a difference so he put himself out there he's simple as reading a book crowdfunding he shared it to his friends and he actually raised about 400 Aussie dollars 500 Aussie dollars if i'm not mistaken oh that's impressive impressive very impressive for ms victims you know multiple sources and wow, really wow. Impressive. i mean the borders are basically invisible when it comes to volunteering have a yeah. nephew thinks is always doing volunteering if you are listening to this podcast and you are in any age trust me when i say you can be a volunteer you can do something good so why not act now all right with that we close our session this close this episode of volunteering i hope we have encouraged the younger generation or anybody listening to this podcast to step up and be part of the difference with that thank you guys i'll catch you guys in the next episode where we'll be talking about leadership once again with john stanley thank you and goodbye If you like our podcast please help us to share with people around you you can like us on facebook or follow us on instagram at @speakupmalaysia where we share how we are working towards quality education in malaysia see you next time